Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois. And this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I am Father Thomas Loyo, your host. Hopefully, we all had a pleasant enough 4th of July, and sometimes, uh, hopefully, there's a residue from that, what we might call in the church terms, the liturgical calendar terms, as you've heard me say on here many times, the post-festive, <laughs> kind of like a post-festive of the 4th of July. It's not just one day, but it's an observance that goes on even beyond one day. And I have to express my own gratitude to Almighty God for this country, this nation I was privileged to have been born and raised in, and which I continue to pray for, not only personally, but also I have the privilege, not only of having been born and raised in America, but the privilege of being a priest who can offer time and again, and many times within those times, the supreme prayer for our country. I do so in the Divine Liturgy of the Byzantine Catholic Church. In the Latin Rite, of course, we pray for our nation as well. But of course, I'm most familiar and I live my own Byzantine Rite liturgy. And in that liturgy, we pray out loud and also the priest prays in the silent prayers that he alone says, we pray many times for our civil authorities. We pray a lot for them, our civil authorities, our nation. And we do so because of the responsibility that our leaders have. We do the same thing with church leaders as well. We pray for our our hierarchs, our bishops, the Pope, many times in the liturgy, audibly and in the silent prayers of the priest, because they are in need of our prayers, because their responsibility is awesome. And they, of course, will be held accountable for an awful lot. And so we pray for them. We're all held accountable, but let's face it, civil leaders and church leaders, especially church leaders, are going to be held accountable for an awful lot on Judgment Day. And so we pray for all of them, whether we agree with them or not, like them or not, all the more reason to pray for them. And we pray for our nation. You may have heard the song, Old Man River. It's one of my favorite songs from musicals. It's from the musical Showboat. 
It's usually sung by a black actor because it depicts someone who is indeed a black slave. It's from that era. And it's usually a black slave who has a beautiful bass voice. It's a magnificent song sung by a usually bass voice soloist. And the slave who is singing of the song is looking out at the river because the whole story, the whole musical showboat takes place on a river, around a river. It's about a showboat, about actors who put on shows, who go up and down the river, and they put on shows at different stops. And the song is a contrast, really, and I always was, was taken by that, that contrast, where the song is about the old man river who just keeps on rolling along. In other words, he doesn't, the river, he doesn't, well, as the scripture says, as Jesus says in his gospel about the wildflowers and the birds, they don't toil or spin or search for their food and so on, have to work for anything, and yet God arrays them even more gloriously than Solomon in their beauty. He knows every flower, every bird, every hair in her head, and we don't really have to do anything. God takes care of it all. God adorns us like the wildflowers. Same thing with the river, Old Man River. The river just keeps going along, just keeps being who it is, right in the midst of everything. And on top of that river, the people that are floating on that river in the showboat have all this chaos in their lives, all this drama, all this soap opera in their lives. In fact, that's part of the whole story. All kinds of hurt and pain and confusion. But the Old Man River just keeps on being who it is. It doesn't be any different than it is. It doesn't get into trouble. It doesn't have any drama. It doesn't become or act according to something that it is not. It always has its own sort of calm integrity. And I always was impressed by that analogy because I, at least as a priest, I use that analogy to describe the spiritual life and how we're supposed to be in the spiritual life, especially as church. It's what the church is. It's like old man river. It just keeps on rowing along. It keeps on being what it is, even though there's all kinds of chaos around it and sometimes in it, but the church itself just keeps on being who it is. And I think that old man river element is vital today and it exists today. And in particular, I think it exists in the Eastern churches because the Eastern churches by nature are not as open to the world as the Western church. Now, the Western church being open to the world, that's part of their gift. Remember, this program, we often compare the two lungs of the church in terms of their gifts, not in terms of any kind of criticism, in terms of their gifts. Primarily, of course, we're presenting the gifts of the Eastern churches because that's what we're about, light of the East. But we often do so by contrasting them with the gifts of the West. So the gift of the West is a great ability to be open to the world, to kind of go out into the world and affect the world. The West is very, very good at evangelizing in that way. Now, as a result of that, there's a vulnerability for things to happen in the West that can, well, as we've seen in recent decades, that maybe were some of the worldly ways kind of spilled over into the Western church a bit. It's something that they're battling. It's their particular battle. The Eastern churches, we have our own battles too. East and West, we have our gifts, but from those gifts, we also have our fallen side, our, our difficulties, our challenges. It's no shame. It's just how, how history is in the church. So in the West, there's a certain struggle now, a certain struggle about the influences of the world sort of slopping over into the church. In fact, 
Pope St. Paul VI said, he was, had a famous saying, he warned that the smoke of Satan has entered deep into the church. And what he meant was, as a church open to the world, to try to evangelize the world, to connect with the world, it opened itself also to a certain vulnerability for the world to come into the church and start creating some chaos there. So there's no secret that there is chaos in the church, not in its essence, but certainly in certain areas. In the East, we have our own forms of chaos, too. We have our own forms of or the downside of our gifts. But one of the gifts we have, and I think it's one that's relevant today, and I think perhaps by God's providence, the Eastern churches can be a kind of an old man river. Because part of what we are by nature is not as open to the world. And now that's a gift, and it's also a shortcoming. You know, our crown is oftentimes our cross. So the gift of the Eastern churches is that we're not as open to the world, which means we can kind of keep on being Old Man River, kind of keep on being consistent in who we are. The world doesn't change us as much as, or influences us as much. It does to an extent, but not as much as perhaps in the West, because the West, their genius is to be more open to the world. But as I mentioned, always keep in mind, our genius, our gift has a fallen side to it. It doesn't mean there's something wrong with the gift. It just means that evil works on our gifts, our strengths. Evil doesn't have to work on our weak points. Evil takes our gifts and tries to turn them into weaknesses. So when we look at our weaknesses as a person, as church, as nation, it's actually a backhanded compliment that points to our gifts because the devil's going to want to take our gifts and turn them into fallen side. So the gift of the Eastern Church is this sense of just being who we are or have been for a long time. Now, there was a great sense of antiquity of what did we do last year? What did we do a few years ago? What did we do centuries ago? What have we been doing all this time, all these centuries? Why should we change it? We don't really care so much what the world is saying or what they're demanding of this or we should change this or change that. The world isn't really interest for us. Yes, we want to evangelize the world, but the East just isn't quite as open to it by nature. We just kind of plug along doing our thing. It's a little bit of a provincialism on the part of the East. Yes, we, need, we do need to open up more, but by nature, we tend to be just like, we're just doing our thing. Stuff we've been doing for centuries. We've got the same liturgy basically we've been doing for centuries. Well, it may have changed here and there, but as one great liturgical theologian said of blessed memory, Father Robert Taft, he said, Trying to watch development in the liturgy is kind of like trying to watch grass grow. It does grow, but good luck trying to watch it and perceive that. That's how slow it evolves. So yes, liturgy has evolved in Eastern churches, but by and large, it's the same thing we've been doing for centuries. And that is how we are, in a sense, an old man river. We need something today in all this chaos from the protests to the coronavirus to lockdowns to shutdowns to shut up. We need something that is stable. We need Old Man River, a place where we can finally land after being thrown around in the tornado and tsunami of the world's chaos, both in and out of the church. We need a place that's constant, that just keeps on rolling along, as the song says. And that, I believe, is the Eastern churches right now, at least at this time. 
And that's also why the Eastern churches have to keep being old man of river, keep being honest and true to who they are. This, in fact, was the call to us from the Second Vatican Council. There was a whole segment on the Eastern churches in the Second Vatican Council. Most of the Second Vatican Council had to do with the Latin rite, the Western lung of the church, but it did have a whole section on the Eastern rite. And basically, they called us to just keep on being old man river. And any place we weren't, to go back to being old man river. That's how Vatican II affected us. A lot of people ask me, well, how did Vatican II affect the Eastern churches? Well, it affected us by telling us, just keep being old man river and go back to being that if you deviated from that in any way. So that was a, that was a great gift to us from Vatican II. When I come back, I'm going to talk more about how the Eastern churches can be old man river while people on that river sail amidst all kinds of chaos. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. And then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. You're, you're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya, your host, as we're floating down Old Man River. And we're hopefully doing so without the chaos of those in the story of Shobo, from which Old Man River comes, we're doing without the chaos in our lives. And we can help avoid it. Let's face it, these are very chaotic times. And what we're saying today is that the Eastern churches can be that Old Man River. And why is that? Well, first of all, I said we have a sense of antiquity, of basically just kind of rolling along, doing what we've been doing for centuries. Why change it? Why, quote unquote, modernize it? Why try to make it more palatable or tamper with it? There is, as I mentioned, some organic development in liturgy through the centuries, but it's like our friend Father Bob Taft of Blessed Memory said, it's like watching grass grow. But why else, in addition to antiquity? Well, if we look into the riches of the Eastern churches, the liturgy, the iconography, the architecture, the spirituality, we find out why it's Old Man River there. What are we looking for today? What do we need today? We need a sense of order, unchanging order that we can count on. In the East, the architecture is very, very ordered. It follows a certain pattern. It doesn't deviate. It doesn't modernize, quote-unquote. It's not fickle. It doesn't vary for the most part. Maybe a little bit here and there, but essentially it doesn't. The zones of the church architecturally have always been there since, well, for many, many centuries, and they mean something, and you can rely on that, and they transmit the same message of heaven having touched earth. And there's different zones, architectural zones created by it, domes that intersect a, a basically a four-sided building, a square, a cube. In those architectural areas, certain icons are prescribed. And you can always count on those icons being there, painted a certain way, giving the same message. So consistency of design and order is something that is vitally needed today. People feel like they need a place to land, like the ground has been pulled out from underneath them and they're floating and they're, they're scrambling. It's like they fall into the deep water and don't know how to swim. 
they got to latch on to something that's they can rely on, that's predictable. See, predictable doesn't have to be boring. We need predictability. We need solidity. And the Eastern churches, just by their art architecture, offer that. It's basically unchanging because the message is unchanging. The message is eternal. It's the message of the incarnation. So why change it? Otherwise, you might change or confuse the message. See, the message is carried, is incarnated in the art and architecture, as well as the gesture, ritual, the text of the liturgy. What else is relevant that's part of the Old Man River of the Eastern Churches? Well, in the liturgy, as I mentioned, we have a very clear sense of hierarchy. That's kind of related to the order of things. Even in the rite of preparation of the gifts, which occurs on a table, which is in the sanctuary to the left, or you might call it the north of the main altar, there is a rite of preparation of the gifts in which the priest will cut particles of bread from a single loaf, and with each particle, he places it on the discos, which eventually be taken onto the altar, and for every particle, he mentions a member of the heavenly order, you know, the angels, the saints, the classifications of saints. It's actually about nine different orders, which means there's a hierarchy even in heaven. And then that hierarchy is mentioned oftentimes in the liturgy. We'll pray in this order for the pope, a metropolitan bishop, a local bishop, the priests, the deacons, and the monastics, the religious. It's not that one is better than the other. As we said earlier, one is more responsible than the other. One has a heavier responsibility in terms of governing than another. It doesn't make them better, holier, more important. In fact, the lower ones on the rung there, we consider to be actually, if we want to talk about it in that way, we consider the monastics to be the more holy ones. Monasticism is the reference point for all the baptized, as St. John Paul II said in his apostolic letter, Oriental Illumin, from where we get the name of this radio program, which means light of the East. So the hierarchy doesn't mean that something is better than others or more important. It's just a sense of hierarchy, responsibility. And that goes even in heaven. Many of you probably realize that people like, or beings, I should say, beings like St. Michael, the archangel, is the head of the heavenly armies. Lucifer used to be like that, but he betrayed God, became Satan. St. Michael had to cast him out of heaven. So St. Michael is the leader of the heavenly army. So there is actually a hierarchy in the church. And we mention that in our liturgy. And hierarchy, which again is related to the sense of order, is also something missing today. Look at the destruction of statues that denote leaders of our nation, helped build our nation, helped even free slaves, people who were heroes, people who set down the in a sense, the, the charisma, the ethos of our nation, even though they had flaws, there is a disrespect for government, for government officials. And that's never a good thing. We can take issue with how they function, with their ideas and so on, but there's got to be underneath that a respect for the office. Otherwise, what's happening is we're having chaos, as we see, for example, in Seattle, where a group of people, basically thugs, decided they could just take over something that wasn't part of them. They didn't build it. They don't own it. A city, and take over part of that and call it their own nation. That's not how nations are made. That's just stealing. That's thuggery. So the lack of respect for order, for government, 
government offices, despite who's in them, creates chaos. And look what's happening within that group that's taken over those city blocks. They've already had a murder. They've had shootings. They've had discontent among themselves. Well, what do you expect? That's what happens. It's not founded on something that is of God. So we need a sense of hierarchy and order. And that brings me to another point. Again, very similar. We need a sense of the transcendence of that which is greater than us, meaning God and the heavenly realities, God's order, God's blueprint, God's natural order, natural law, if you want to use that term, that there is something that we defer to, that we know is so much greater than we are, and that we can never overcome our pride, although we can certainly make progress in that, that our pride is deep, that in contrast to this glorious, ineffable, invisible, inexpressible God, we are like nothing. And to be humble, to defer to that God, to be in a perpetual state of repentance, of begging forgiveness because we are so unworthy, that is what is missing today. And that is what is essential. And that is precisely what is found in the liturgy and the spirituality of the Eastern churches. Our starting point is that transcendence of God, His holy other that we dare not even raise our eyes to. We can only do so because He makes us worthy. And so we prostrate, we bow, we reverence icons, images that represent Christ, the Virgin Mary, the angels, those who are greater and holier than we are. In our day and age, we act like nobody's bigger or better than we are. We don't have to bow to anybody. We're all on the same plane, this false equality. We've rendered the word equality to mean sameness or lack of hierarchy, lack of authority, lack of respect. And again, from that we have chaos. So all of these things you've noticed so far, the thread that is woven between them is a thread of deference. This idea that there is something, order, beings such as God himself, the angels, hierarchy, there is something greater than we are. And that order is for our benefit. So that if we can defer to that, humble ourselves before that, put our own ego and pride aside, what we want are basically what's called idiocy. Yeah, that's right. Idiocy, because the word idiot starts with the letters I-D, id. And id means I, and idiot, idiot was actually an old Greek term which meant someone who is just in their own world. And that's oftentimes how we act, by pretending there is no such thing as order and hierarchy and nobody or nothing greater than ourselves. We are, in fact, id idiots. The other thing that makes the Eastern churches an old man river for a time is the sense of living in the both and. See, we live in the either or. You can see it now. It's us versus them. It's either we're all racists or we're not. All policemen are bad or they're not. We're for us or you're against us. You are liberal or you're conservative. You're Democrat or you're Republican. You're black versus white. It goes on and on and on. Here in Chicago, you're either a Chicago Cubs fan or a Chicago White Sox fan. Never the two shall meet. Now that is a bipolar, schizophrenic way to live, and it causes lots of trouble in our culture. 
Either you agree with me or you do not. Either you say things this way or think this way or you do not, and therefore you're my enemy. You're wrong. You're no good. And I tag you with names. You're homophobic. You're racist. You're misogynist. You're narcissist. Don't we love throwing those things around, don't we? And yet we say we should be judgmental and sensitive and inclusive. Hmm. But you see, this is what happens when we function in a bipolar, dichotomous way. In the East, the spirituality, and I believe the greatest genius of the Eastern churches is the spirituality of living in the both and. In mystery, that something can be this and that at the same time. Jesus is God and man at the same time. The icon screen that separates the sanctuary from the nave reveals and conceals all at the same time not either or. And the liturgy exists in the confluence of those two realities, something revealed and something concealed all at the same time. Old Man River, the church, especially the Eastern churches, its spirituality, art, architecture, liturgy, it just keeps on rolling along. So don't be afraid to sail on Old Man River. Thank you for listening. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. To hear Light of the East again, visit byzantinecatholic.com and click on the Features and Programs tab and on iTunes. Thank you for listening to Light of the East. We encourage you to tell a friend about Light of the East and to visit byzantinecatholic.com. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. gives us an opportunity to become part of a larger family. It can be so lonely when we are struggling in our faith or just try to live our faith on our own. But Catholic Radio connects us to that larger community of faith where we're able to get the support, the encouragement, and the grace that we need to not just struggle on, but to really celebrate all the blessings that God brings into our life through our Catholic faith. Dr. Greg Popchak thinks Catholic Radio is important. So should you. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To learn more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue Light of the East with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount will be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Wilcook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. Or donate online on the homepage of ByzantineCatholic.com. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God grant you many happy years. Oh!